that's one of the things Victor used to say. You know, we we play to make people happy. We just want them to laugh and and dance and cry. That's that's it. Welcome to the Shellcast, a show about music, culture, and Memphis. As we live into our mission of building community through music, education, and diversity, we look forward to interviewing artists and musicians and hearing about how they are writing their own stories, and building their own communities. 85 years strong and with a rich history, the Levitt Shell has stood the test of time as a beacon of hope in the heart of Memphis. podcast is brought to you by Orion Federal Credit Union, where a big part of us is being a big part of the community. Visit orionfcu.com to see how Orion is redefining banking. Welcome to the Shellcast, today featuring Nick Black. Nick released his first album about a decade ago, and in those 10 years, he's become Memphis music royalty. Nick spoke with us about his time with the Victor Wainwright Band and talked a lot about how a musician creates and promotes himself in the midst of a pandemic. Let's join Nick Black for conversation on the Shellcast today. We are living through probably the weirdest point in history in our lives. What are you doing to fill your time these days? Well, um... Around May, uh, and I guess that was the end of the school year at the University of Memphis, uh, where I teach, I realized that I needed to do something to fill my time, exactly what you asked. And my wife and I were already doing this show called Cooking and Crooning uh, most weeks on Facebook. And she had noticed that I was, you know, a little bit down because I wasn't able to tour. And she asked me, you know, we should, well, we should do this thing where I cook and you croon and We'll call it cooking and crooning, and we can just be, you know, we can be silly on camera together, and we'll get dinner out of it. And you can entertain some people. And I thought it was just the coolest idea. It allowed me to, you know, get into streaming and figure out the best ways to do it. And through much trial and error, we ended up kind of getting a cool format. I created like, you know, intro and outro segments for it, and and you know, little slates and all that. But it's like having your own little mini TV studio in your house, and then. That that led into me streaming on Twitch almost every day of the week. I wanted to do a kind of give myself a challenge to really learn how Twitch works and to learn how to use a program called Ableton to do all my recording. And what ended up happening is I told myself, okay, I'm going to do a 30-day challenge and I want to have samples from people from all over the country, and uh, I got some from outside of the country, and I want to make a new song inspired by one of those samples every day for 30 days. That's an awesome idea. It was was a little crazy, uh, I would say, but I, you know, we pushed through, and outside of Blackout Tuesday, I was live in some form or fashion creating a new song for 45 days straight. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, is... Is it the sort of material that you feel like you can use moving forward? That's a great question. Uh, I, because some of the samples were coming from people that don't, you know, necessarily make the type of music that I make, it ended up pushing me into some really cool directions. You know, we made we made some EDM and we made some um, kind of lo-fi hip hop. You know what I'm talking about? Um, music you can study to that kind of stuff, right? But we made, yeah, lo-fi hip-hop and EDM 
and definitely R&B and some some harder sort of stuff I rapped for the first time, you know, on a recording. <laughs> did you find you enjoyed it? I did enjoy it. It's it's definitely I've got to be in the right headspace to write in that form, but what was really cool about Twitch is that it became collaborative immediately. You know, I had I had Daryl Sanford, my keyboard player, you know, in in the chat and then Peanut, my drummer would come in the chat and they'd be giving ideas and then soon enough people started coming over and we were streaming together. And then people in the stream started submitting lyrics and musical ideas and, you know, hey, I know a little bit about audio engineering, so you should try this in this song. And it just becomes this this collaborative thing. It, yeah, it, it happens, you know, two or three days a week now. And I, I love it, man. It keeps me sane. That is absolutely awesome. You've never been afraid anyways to push yourself as far as a musical style is concerned. But what a great way to push yourself and challenge yourself. It's been a lot of fun. And to kind of go back to your your other question, we did end up out of the, oh gosh, the first batch before we kind of said, okay, this is, we're going to, we're going to cut this off and listen to all these songs and see what works for the band and what, what doesn't work. I sent out a survey to a lot of people and said, Hey, I know this is time, kind of time consuming, but here's, you know, 30 or so songs, listen to them and let me know what you think about each of them. And so with that method, we were able to whittle it down to about 15 or 16 songs. And now we're working on a full album that's due out next year. No kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Is it going to be you're starting all the tracks from scratch again or, or are you going to use stuff you've already recorded? Or Philosophically, we could have done that. But what we realized was a lot of the essence of each of these songs is what I did while I was streaming on Twitch. That puts a very unique pressure on the creative process, which is not something that I was used to, you know, creating in front of an audience, whether it was three people or 25 people, it puts a different type of pressure on you, especially because I can't just, you know, focus on the music. I also have to read the chat and talk back to people and receive ideas and be writing the lyrics and the music and the arrangement myself. So it puts you in a different frame of mind and it's just been a lot of fun, man. That is almost like combining like the best of a live performance with the best of going into the studio because you, you know, you are having to be so spontaneous and everything, but still calling on your experience. That, that is incredible. It's been, <laughs> I've exercised musical muscles that I didn't really know that I had or that I hadn't used in a long time before that. And I'll be honest with you, man, I went through, I got so focused on the business side of things you know, traveling to LA and trying to grow the band in a, in a real way where the industry is, you know, and, um, I got so focused on the business. I didn't write for six months. Wow. You, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. You know, that's a, you know, that's weird. Yeah. You don't do that. You don't take six months off from writing. Wow. Talking to a lot of artists, uh, recently and everything. And, and, uh, one observation that gets made a lot, it really, really seems, and I don't know if it's pandemic or if it's just the way that the industry is moving, but we're moving away from an album-oriented industry more to a single after single after single industry. Do you feel that way? It's tough to call because now everything has its own sort of bubble to be in. I was going to say microcosm, but I think that's too complicated of a word. I, I, everything has its own place. And everything is niche. And, you know, my generation, you know, millennials, we're the compilation generation. And I think even even before that, like Generation X, Xers are, are 
They're the compilation generation. They're the ones that were putting, you know, love song cassette tapes together and everything. And they sort of set the tone for my generation to do it with CDs and then to create playlists. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing to be a part of. And I think that every genre has its own practices, you know, its own standards and practices. Like within, within hip hop, releasing singles is common, but because songs can exist in, you know, a minute and 50 second to two and a half minute long formats, you can have 20 songs and really have them done in, you know, a, a, a few days if you do it right, if you have the right collaborators. Now, within pop music, because pop songs with huge arrangements, you know, Drake is one thing and plenty of folks would classify him as, as hip hop, but like Drake will put out an app, you know, a double album that he's been working on for, you know, two or three months, but to do a double album for like a, a folk band or a really heavy pop synth band or a metal band, it's, that's much harder to do. So it gets, it's easier to just do singles. So really the answer, man, is that there are no rules anymore. Right. It's you just do what you want. That's kind of liberating in its own way. It is. It's also really scary because you don't, without that bounding box, you remove the limiter on your creativity. And that's really scary for some people to not have some, you know, something to like a wall to put their back against. That makes all the sense. Um, will it be scary going back to live performing? Will it be exciting? Um... That's a good question, Silver. I think that we have now idealized live music, right? Live events, period. They're now this sort of uh, mythical fantasy that we're all like, well, you know, last year or earlier this year, we were all able to meet together. And I really don't see us being able to have live shows until, man, at least May or June. Minimum, yeah. Yeah, minimum at the earliest. But it is a scary thought. Nobody's asked me that, man. That's a really good question. The idea of going back to music being scary because you don't know, I guess maybe without a vaccine, I guess th then I wouldn't be scared if I knew, but if people don't take the vaccine and I guess if I do, I mean, I'm fine. So if, if, yeah, if there's a, if there's a full blown vaccine, I'm not going to be scared. It's just going to, we're all going to have to readjust because our, all of our live show endurance right now is, you know, we've all been sitting down streaming for the past nine months. So it's going to be funny watching people get, you know, get that muscle back that's all atrophied. Right. The uh, the the stream that you did for the show that you recorded at the Orpheum, that was a lot of fun. Were you guys having as much fun as it looked like? Yes, it was a blast. I wanted to make sure that that energy came across in the recording. And that's why I, I wanted to, in between each song, I wanted to make sure that I put a little bit of life in each one, instead of just going song, 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 song. Right. That was such a nice insight into your personality, the rest of the people in the band, the whole bit. Plus, it was such a nice thing because, you know, obviously a live show is one setting and this and that and the other was streaming. Nobody really knows what the rules are again. And allowing your creativity to flow like that was, was truly exceptional. That was wonderful. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you. When you went to school, your focus, I guess, in school was more on the business end of things. How helpful has that been to you in your career? It's kept me out of trouble. It's kept me from from signing some bad deals, which I don't know. If if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, the people that are truly successful in the industry 
probably signed a bad deal at some point, right? But had the 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 backing of whatever company they signed the bad deal for, they gained fans from that. Then they had the clout, and then they you know buy themselves out of their contract or they split from the company in some way, and they have those fans that come along. So education's an, an interesting thing. It's I, I think it's kind of double sided. You learn how not to get screwed over, but when you can't get screwed over, you're constantly looking over your shoulder to make sure that nobody's screwing you over. Interesting point. I've thought about that a lot. You know, that one of the, 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 my favorite and least favorite simultaneously questions to get is, um, why aren't you famous yet? <laughs> it, it's on Twitch. It's on uh, Facebook. It's wherever we go. They, uh, people looking at me, at me with baffled eyes and faces that can't figure it out. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think I've watched my back so much and I've tried to make sure that my singular focus wasn't myself, but was the band as a whole and making sure I provided for my family and that they could provide for their families. It, you know, I don't know. I never had a, quite a singular focus. So yeah. Focusing on music business, I, I believe everybody should learn something about contracts and copyright. Absolutely. I, I think a, a, a fantastic point that you made up and something that I've certainly learned, uh, you know, working at the shell and looking at contracts and stuff like that. There's a lot of ways that you can get really, really hurt if you're not careful. Totally agreed. And, and the thing that kills me the most is the people that get into a bad contract and then nothing ever happens. Like you want, you want somebody to get in a bad contract and at least grow their career in some way. Get a little something out of it at least. Yeah, exactly. You had a fantastic kickstart to your career early on. You were uh, Victor Wainwright's guitarist for what two, three years on the road, weren't you? Man, it was. Uh, it ended up being about five years, and it was really? wow. some of the some of the best times of my life, man. I, I I can't even begin to think what you must have learned from that experience. I mean, aside from the fact that that Victor plays so much, your chops just went through the roof. I went into that situation like every young man, young musician, I should say, not even young man, young musician does, where they think they know what they're about to get into. And you just never do. You can you can get all the schooling about the music industry in the world, but without real world experience and and jumping in head first, just taking a dive, you'll never ever know. And playing with Victor helped me to realize my guitar leanings, my vocal leanings, and I that entertainment thing, man. Understanding and really just at the beginning. You know, I was I was so focused on my guitar, it took me a few months to realize that entertaining was an entirely different skill. And no one had ever told me that before. That's actually a really, really valid point. And I love the fact that you're making that point. You know, if you've got your music and everything, the entertainment is, it coincides with the music and it has to work in a synchronous kind of way. But when it comes down to it, you're there for the people. You know, we write for ourselves and we perform for the people. And without them, we wouldn't be, without my fans, I wouldn't be anything. So I have to remind myself of that. And that's what that entertainment skill is focused on, is making sure that people feel valued and that they leave feeling happy and they danced and they laughed and they cried. That's one of the things Victor used to say, you know, we, we play to make people happy. We just want them to laugh and, and dance and cry. That's, that's it. That's a real good philosophy because you're going to be remembered at that point. Yep. 
it, you become family by the end of the night. Yeah, that's that is a good point. That is a good point. That's got to be kind of a scary thing as a musician. It's like you write songs and there's perfect strangers out there that are looking to you for life advice and for answers. <laughs> that's that's a huge responsibility that I'm not always comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Want to learn more about how you can support The Levitt Shell and its mission of building community through music, education, and diversity? Head to levittshell.org. You can read up on our 85-year history and check out our schedule of live and virtual events. Visit our shell shop to grab all the swag and find out ways you can participate in our mission, whether that's through donations, volunteering, sponsoring a show, or becoming a member of our shell circle. Once again, that's levittshell.org. At this point in your uh, in your musical career, who are who are your heroes? Who are people that you look up to that you like to emulate? Oh man, um, on the musical side of things, I mean, just as a fan, I'm absolutely loving John Legend right now. He just put out a new album that is very obviously not. There's some hit songs on it, but it was very obviously not to appease his record label or his music industry, you know, executives. He wanted to make an album where he got to work with all of the best people that he wanted to work with. And so you've got you've got pop people, you've got uh Gary Clark Jr. and his producer, you've got uh Charlie Puth, names from pop, R&B and blues and they're all in there, man. Just like and and John just sort of his voice sort of soars over everything. So he's he's somebody that I'm I'm really, you know, I look to to see what he does, you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, that that would be honestly, if if I could open up for John, that would be a dream come true. It really would. That'd be a great show too. You guys would be so compatible. That'd be wonderful to see. And and on the uh, you know, on the the kind of, I I'd have to say, you know, Victor is is was one of as my mentor is one of my biggest inspirations and in playing. That like that style of music and being loyal to blues, it you focus in on not only the musical side of it, but the historical implications of it because they are rooted within the black community. And that's Memphis, man. That really is Memphis. Um it could be argued that what you know, what blues is now is uh something that's entirely different and it's kind of northern, neither good nor bad, but it's it's still got its beautiful moments, and I think that's all you can really ask for. So Victor for sure, uh, John Legend on the you know pop side of things, and um, I don't know people like you, man. Like I I can't I can't help but Nick. notice when people are working for a cause that's higher than themselves. And seeing you at the shell and the work that you put in with, you know, the incredible people over there, it's a really – like I'm not just blowing smoke, man. Like you you work so hard to make things happen and it's so admirable. It has been a huge, huge uh, eye-opener for me to be honest with you. I've, I've done a lot of things in the music career myself, but uh, uh, getting involved with the shell and seeing how much music means to people, how much music means to a community and, and uh, just being able to give a little bit of yourself back to – a place that's given so much to you is pretty wonderful, you know? And I'm sure you get that when you're up on stage a lot too, because uh, once again, you get back to that strangers that consider you one of your best friends. So. Yeah. That's, that's always, that's always an interesting thing because if somebody you, if you write a song 
the goal, you know, ideally the goal is never to, you never sit down at the the, the piano or the guitar or, or whatever you use to write and go, I'm going to write a hit song today. Like that's not, that's never what you do. You write, you write for yourself and you perform for the audience. So you take whatever this thing is that you're dealing with or this thing you heard someone else is dealing with and you massage it and, you know, put all the ingredients in and bake it and then you present it. And people, you want people to go, that looks familiar. I want to try that. And that creates this this sort of, uh, like you said, friend, family kind of feel between everything. But it's so strange because you don't, you know, you don't know each other. And I think that's been one of the, the most amazing things about Twitch is that me and the band are slowly building a community of people that we are actually getting to know in a, in a real way. And Brilliant. to get to to get to talk with them the whole time we're streaming, and we use this app called Discord, where you know we've got a bunch of different topics that people can talk about. They can request songs, and they can uh, they can submit samples for me to make a song out of. And you know we're we're doing this thing called this is ridiculous, but I'm I'm going to tell you anyway. We're doing this thing called the Christmas Snack Exchange. <laughs> And what it is, I on stream, I'm constantly eating different, you know, chips and snacks. And a lot of the people that watch me are from Europe and they don't have that. You know, there's people on the West Coast and from Canada that are watching me and they don't have those foods. So what we're doing is at the beginning of December, they're sending me food from their countries or their states or wherever they are. And I'm going to eat it on stream and I'm mailing them Memphis-based snacks. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my God. I love that. I'm seriously, I got to be in on some of this because that's just fascinating. And and besides, what a great way to get some free food, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I can't, I can't wait. Cause I know a couple of my subscribers are, are itching to have me eat the food, which makes me nervous because it, you know, sure. I, I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm going to keep a bucket close by. I know that. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is really delicious. What is this if I translate it into English? It's like, oh, that's sewer rat in a white sauce, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's in a, it's a you know, it's it's a mother sauce. It's the rat sauce. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun and I'm uh I, yeah, like I said, it's kept it's kept me sane, dude. It really has. And what what you're doing and using the technology to break down barriers between people, technology can so easily put barriers between people, but you're going the opposite direction. That's awesome. There's some times where I have to remind myself that I I can't necessarily just give all of my time away to, you know, other 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 people and everything. I have to I have to keep some for myself and hold some of the music sacred. You know, Daryl Sanford, my keyboard player the other day was like, you know, we could write some music, not on stream. Right. And I was, I was like, am I, am I like, am I whoring myself out or something like this? What, 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 what exactly is this situation? Why, why am I so addicted to this and what it is, man, it's just the interaction. That's all that it is. Sure. And, and I mean, you know, again, this is such a different period in history in our lives and everything like that. We don't know what the rules are. We don't know what the balance is. And, and I'm sure as an artist, you're having desperately to try and discover what that is. You have to create your own community, which I'm nervous for the industry at large, because when all the artists create their own communities, what's left for the larger side of the industry 
is to do what they've been doing. It's just to come in and kind of throw gasoline on the fire, which is a good thing. You know, you're, you're you, you get signed to a distribution deal or a label or something like that. And they basically use their Rolodex to just blow, you know, blow up what's already there in a good way. Sure. But it also creates these walls between the different genres without having live music and without having somebody that has a really wide taste in music at a festival saying, okay, well, we want this folk band and we want this rock band. Oh, but we want this pop singer and we want this rapper and this R&B artist and they're all going to be on the same festival. And guess what? They're all going to meet each other and they're all going to hang out. And that is when those crazy collaborations happen. I feel like there's going to be less and less of those because people are looking for solace inside of their own communities, but it becomes sort of an echo chamber. That's something that We'll just have to see what happens in the next few months. Man, I'll tell you what, once it gets back to the point where we can do festivals and stuff again, one of the things I really am looking forward to, somebody like yourself that's been isolated for a while, meeting somebody else, uh, two creative people, the explosion of creativity, I think, could possibly be amazing. Yeah, I'm going to walk out on stage and I think my head's probably just going to pop right off. That's that's all that's going to happen. Okay, I don't think I want to see that. But... <laughs> Mick, with everything you've accomplished so far in your career, uh, what other what other future goals do you have? Other things you want to learn, things you still want to do? I honestly, we're planning a. <laughs> of course, this is all contingent upon COVID, and and it's it's just the joke now. It really is the joke. It's the it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, the goal is to uh, this next year is to is to tour in Europe and uh, we've got some gigs in uh, in Australia that are popping up. So nice. going to be working on that and to continue doing what we're doing. It, at this point, my wife has gotten has has gotten a chance to see what I do and has, has we've created such a huge catalog. Silver, I'm on day 90 of music like like that's not just, you know, me and me and a couple of guys in the band getting on stream and playing requests for people, which is something that we do a couple of times a week. But that's just songs that I've, you know, that we've created. They're not all for me, but I'm so excited for people outside of Twitch to to hear this music, man. It's uh that's gonna be exciting. It's been affected by, you know, everything that's and inspired by everything that's been happening in the United States. So it's all it's it's um it's not all the lightest stuff. Well, of course, but you know I can certainly say from the heart of a fan, I've been listening to your music since your first album and everything quite some time. And, and uh, I can tell you, I'm very excited to hear what you're going to be coming up with. So. Yeah, me too. I uh, I got to tell you, I saved the most important thing for last. So uh, let's get down to the really important stuff. When did you become so jealous of my hair? <laughs> <laughs> the moment I met you, man. Oh, the, mo- the moment I met you. is walking. You were walking down the stairs at, at somebody's house. And just the wind, there was, for some reason, there was a, there was a southeasterly wind blowing that day inside of the house. Inside the house. And, and the rest, as they say, is history, you know? Yeah, it was like Fabio and Farrah Fawcett had a, had a son and, and he just walked his way into my life. Nick, I got to tell you, I've been called a lot of things in life, but Fabio and Farrah Fawcett, that's, that's brand new. Thank you. So. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I got to tell you also, I mean, the, the, the cooking and crooning that you and, and your wife are doing, that is so much fun on uh, Facebook and everything. All your social media stuff, how do people follow you, uh, look at you, et cetera? Sure. Uh, it's at Nick Black Music for everything. That's at Nick Black Music on Instagram and Twitch. 
and on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Everything is Nick Black Music, and I'm I'm on Twitch probably five days a week at this point, barring any you know other obligations. But a couple of days a week, I'll create songs from scratch, and then you know a couple of days a week, we'll have live request sessions where people can just come in and and you know and hear hear the music they love, hear our music, whatever they want. It's a it's it's an awesome time. Is there a specific set time for these, or or basically when you have time, or um. Yeah, it most it, so Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Saturday, I usually start around noon, uh, twelve p.m. Central, and then on Friday nights, me and the band get together in uh, in my studio and play for everybody at yeah about seven p.m. Fantastic. But what what's really exciting, man? We've uh, we actually and it might have aired by the time that this podcast airs, but we'll be rebroadcasting our concert uh, that we filmed at the Orpheum. Uh, very soon. Oh, fantastic. That was so much fun, man. I can't wait to, I want to see that again. So <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I can't, can't thank you enough. I can't tell you how much I miss you and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you and hearing you again. Silver, thank you so much for having me, brother. Take care of yourself. Okay. All right. Bye. I'd like to offer our thanks to Nick Black for taking the time to talk with us. Great conversation. We rely on people like you to keep the Levitt Shell going. Hope you'll visit our website at levittshell.org. Consider a donation. See some of the wonderful things we've got coming up for you. And again, thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>